It's been a while, Mark Dunnigan. You know, it has. Time flies by. What a fast summer. So we got home the end of June, and it is now the end of September. You're absolutely right. It flew by, but we packed some good times. We did. Um, We had some amazing weather on the Oregon coast. I preached for a number of congregations in Oregon and Washington. We were able to go up and see friends in the area of Kitsap Peninsula and Yakima. Got some sugar babies, right? The Sugar Sugar baby baby watermelons. Also Bend, Oregon. I think we did a good job of the local farmer's markets. We got Mm, nectarines, mm -hmm. peaches, watermelons, cantaloupe, tomatoes, uh, big blueberries, blackberries. Yeah. So we took a fun boat ride with Dr. Mike. That was great. And that was through the Hood Canal. Kind of in the general area. They sit on the Hood Canal, but it was actually out there in Puget Sound. Okay, right. And I traded my hikes in the summer for swimming about 40 minutes most days of the week. 40 minutes, Mark, because I like to do as many links as my age. And so now that I've turned 60, I wanted to, and so I timed myself one time, and it takes me me about 40 minutes to do that. So that's how I decided 40 minutes is going to do it, and I'll try to bump that up every year. But yeah, that's my go-to exercise in my old age. But what kind of hikes do we have to look forward to? We're going to be hitting the road here very, very soon, Uh, probably be on the road for just over eight weeks. What do you got on the agenda for some hiking coming up? Well, so we will go down through, once again, down through the Redwoods and into like the Napa, California area, Mm -hmm. and then down to Monterey, Carmel, and then to Santa Barbara, across to Palm Springs. There's number of like interesting hikes in that part of the country. Joshua Tree. I'm hoping to make it there. Yeah, Joshua Tree. Hopefully things will have dried out a little bit after the monsoons. Yeah. And then out to Phoenix and Tucson, uh, probably back into San Diego, uh, which is always a beautiful area. And then back to Tucson and then across to Las Cruces and Santa Fe, out to the remaining lost city or secret city that we've not seen of the World War II uh, Manhattan Project, Los Alamos. All right. Well, the only hiking place I'm hearing right now, I'm I'm feeling some beach hikes, but can you call a walk on the beach a hike? I don't know. Yeah, I think it it qualifies. Well, it's not cheating because it's actually harder. Oh, oh, that's true. With the sand. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, but yeah, Joshua Tree, was there, of all those cities that you mentioned, is there any hikes that you know of that are in and around those? Not specific ones, no. Okay. All right, so the book of Colossians. Uh, what is this book about, Mark? When was it written? Who wrote it? What's the background? Well, it is certainly one of the letters that came from prison when Paul was in prison. You would see that chapter 4, verse 18. When Paul says, remember my imprisonment, this would be a congregation that Paul had never been to. Mm-hmm. That's also interesting. You will find that in uh, chapter 1, verse 7. So this would have been a congregation established uh, shortly after the time, it looks like, when Paul was in Ephesus in Acts 19. He was there for a number of years. And then people would come in, do business, be converted, and then they would head back 100 miles inland to Colossae. Laodicea and Heropolis were also in those areas, and we know that there was a congregation in Laodicea. So it's written probably, you know, 62, 64 AD from Rome. To me, I would say the thrust of the letter is found in chapter 2 and verse 3. Paul is trying to remind the Colossians that all the treasures of wisdom are hidden in Jesus. 
because it looks like they're up against a number of people that are coming along and saying, well, Jesus is not enough. Uh, You need Jesus and blank, or you need Jesus and that, like uh, a current philosophy. And he's warning them not to let anyone rob them of what they already have. And then there's a lot of practical information on how to live and on relationships and how to interact with other people. So there's a basic theme to the whole thing then collectively? Collectively, it seems like one of the major themes is just the preeminence of Jesus. Okay. And you'll find that, and we'll get into that in chapter one, as far as just how preeminent Jesus is and who he is. Yeah, and so that he's worthy of that spot in our hearts as well, right? Yes. You seek first the kingdom and that God is number one and even like whatever the sacrifices that it takes in life. And there is no other, there is no like philosophy or other religion that really can compete with him. And Mm -hmm. so don't give up what you have that's the real deal for something that's a counterfeit. Right. Or try to mix it up together and make a new recipe. Yeah. No casserole, no spiritual casseroles allowed on this one. There it is. It's only in a matter of time that the casseroles come up, right? (laughs) All right. So it starts off then Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. By the will of God, I think is a, a really, Jesus had selected him, had personally selected him. We will find that in Galatians 1, 11 through 12. So he has the right to address this congregation. And the story happens in Acts 9, right? Yeah, and then it's retold in Acts 22 and Acts 26. So he is an apostle selected by Jesus, and that's according to God's will. So he's the real deal. Yeah, I mean, saying something is God's will is holy ground. So we must not speak presumptuously about that. You know, Deuteronomy eighteen twelve. So, yeah, but he could totally, it was a face-to-face encounter. So, amazing. The audience is, verse 2, saints and faithful brethren. So, Christians are called saints because they've been sanctified by the blood of Christ, uh, set apart from the world. They're expected to live holy lives, mm-hmm. but they're also brethren. They're part of a family, and they are in Christ, and it's through baptism that you enter into Christ then it says, who are at Colossae. Mm-hmm. So we know exactly to whom the audience is addressed. Okay, and that's not always the case in the New Testament epistles? Right, yeah. Uh, sometimes some of the epistles are addressed, addressed to Christians in more of a general okay. area. But this, this is very specific. And so Timothy, is Timothy then, uh, I think Timothy is called Paul's son in the Lord in First Timothy 1, 2. So a very tight family feeling relationship there with Timothy. And that started in Acts 16, at least when Timothy starts traveling with Paul on his second journey. And Paul will say that really he really has no one else that can compare to Timothy as far as oh, faithfulness and dependability. Mm-hmm. All right, so then it goes on to say, uh, after it says, uh, who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. God's grace, Mark, is the oxygen of the soul. I mean, that's, that's what we need to even have the opportunity to begin to obey and serve God and have the opportunity to repent, you know, that it's by his grace that we even continue to exist and breathe. That's why it can say that, yeah, peace is that if there's no grace, then there can be no Mm -hmm. peace because that wall of sin would still be there. Then we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always 
for you. Yeah, Mark, did you notice that they're not giving thanks to the universe? Correct. Yeah, we're not just giving thanks to some sort of vague entity uh-huh. out there. Yeah, there is actually a God, and he is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, again, a trinity here. Yeah, at least at least just in this section here, we have at least two members of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. We have the Father and we have the Son. And in chapter 2, verse 9, it's made very clear that Jesus is the fullness of of deity in mm-hmm. bodily form. So God is the father of all of us in some scriptures. And in this case, it speaks more to this only begotten, like the one of his kind, you know, Jesus Christ. That was a very, very unique uh, one of a kind. That is a one of a kind relationship. Notice that it, it does follow the pattern of what how Jesus taught us to pray. Our mm. Father, we're out in heaven, and then the passages that speak that we pray through Jesus, that we have the Father that you pray to, and that Jesus is the mediator that yeah. you go to. All right, so then he commends them to pray, it says praying always, and when I read that, I think about like, okay, what do I need to put in place to ensure that prayer is so consistent that I could say, yes, I pray always. You know, do I need a prayer journal? Do I need an alarm on my phone? Like, get really practical until it's autopilot. You know, you really have to. You can't just, whenever you feel like it or it happens to hit your head, you really do need to make that a practice in your life. There is so much to pray for that, yeah, you could realistically pray 24-7. And that's not God's plan for us, right? (laughs) Right. But uh, the older you get, the more you realize how much out there, how much you could pray about. Yeah. yeah, and it's so powerful, and you, you kind of realize the the limitation of your own power, and you do what you can to influence, but yeah, prayer just seems, as you mature, it does seem to be more and more something to be treasured and something very dear to you. Then it says, since we heard of your faith, this is another verse that would tell you that Paul hasn't ever been there. He's heard of their faith, and he's heard of the love which they have for all of God's people. So I like the idea that faith and love are connected here. Basically, you have those two great commandments, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Faith should lead to a love for other godly people. Mm -hmm. When I think about faith in Jesus Christ, I think about who could be more worthy of my faith because he is so powerful that all things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being, John 1, 3. So... Yeah, he's the one that I can put my faith in because of that power. I can trust him to handle the things in my life that I can't handle by myself. Then it says, because, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. I think that's an important verse. There is, the Bible said there's one hope in Ephesians 4, like 4 through 6, along with one God, one Father, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one hope. To me, that tells us that there's not multiple hopes out there. And it's not like some people are going to be on earth forever and some people are going to be in heaven. No, there's one hope. uh, And even Jesus talked about lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, treasures in heaven. Chapter three of Colossians will say, set your mind on things above. So our hope is rooted in being with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all the godly in heaven. Right where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and still, Matthew six nineteen. Also looks like that the hope of verse 5, because you have it, start, it starts with because, has something to do with the reason why they are able to love other people so genuinely, mm-hmm. is that 
Well, it, it's hard to like yourself and it's hard to be nice when you have no hope, when, yeah. you, when you're just bitter. Yeah, I was thinking about that too when you read, and the love which you have for all the saints, that the elements that we have as humans, you know, like different races, classes, genders, so often become an element of division in the world, but we're brought together as one through Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3.28. So beautiful. Yeah, without hope, you're just going to end up a pretty bitter person. So mm-hmm. don't go down that path. And, mm-hmm. and we see that. We see that in the world with a lot of jaded, cynical people. They turn from God, and then they turned on man. Mm-hmm. And that's the pattern I see. Mm-hmm. He says, this hope of which you previously heard, this hope, the first place you heard this was you heard it in the word of truth. Well, what's that? The gospel. So the truth and the gospel would be synonyms for the same message. Sure, yeah. So then it goes on to say, which has come to you just as in all the world. Wow, I mean, that's what they were supposed to do, right? That was the Great Commission where Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, Matthew 28, 19. It looks like that was a pretty successful mission there. Yeah, this is 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus, and within 30 years, you find the same statement in verse 23 of this chapter, and I think all the world here would be the, like the Roman Empire, the, oh, okay. the known world, uh-huh. the, the world the, the world that they interacted with, is that 30 years after Jesus had ascended into heaven, the gospel that the apostles and the early Christians were commanded to spread had been effectively spread throughout the entire Roman Empire. It was a very successful mission. When you think about like where the Gospels already in Britain and in Africa and throughout the entire Mediterranean. So then it goes on to say also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. So the Gospel is the truthful message. It's the only truthful message about God's grace. It is the one Mm -hmm. complete and correct narrative Mm -hmm. of what it's all about. And I really like this idea that wherever the gospel went, it bore fruit. And first of all, that would be conversions, but it would also be, it would be fruit in the lives of those who embraced it. And it was doing that in the lives of this audience Mm -hmm. as well. And of course, they were promised the Holy Spirit upon their obedience to the gospel. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So, Mark, as individuals, when we exhibit this fruit that's being born, how transformative. Moment by moment, it transforms every relationship. But Mark, the thing is too, as this gospel went out, the way that it transforms cultures, like when people collectively are bearing this kind of fruit, there's nothing that makes a culture more highly functional than the fruits of the Spirit. Well, that is true. And you would see that in the changed lives of like the Ephesians had been dead in sin. The same is true of the Colossians. The Thessalonians had been idol worshipers, the Corinthians had been thieves and drunkards and adulterers and all of that. And we see these drastically changed lives for Mm -hmm. the better. And as a result, a a number of the prevalent vices of the first century world, like slavery, would go by the wayside in this culture because just of the influence of this message. I like the end of verse 6, and understood the grace of God and truth. That is 
these Christians had been, from the moment they heard mm-hmm. the word of the truth mm-hmm. up to the present time, that message had been continually improving yep. and transforming in their Jesus. lives. In Jesus, Mark, every day is productive. Yeah, you don't know what you're going to... Pro- I was just thinking about that today. Like, I know that by the time we go to bed tonight, we will have accomplished a lot. But people call, people text, I need this, I need that, you know. And so we're... You never know what's going to surface during any given day. But if you're in Christ and you are putting one foot in front of the other to his glory, every day is productive. And that is a good feeling. Then in verse 7, we learn from whom. They hadn't heard it from Paul, this Mm -hmm. gospel. They had heard it from someone else. Uh, Our beloved fellow servant, Paul calls this Christian, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And so it looks like this was an individual or a Christian who had ventured out from a place like Ephesus when Paul was there, had went into the interior Mm. of Asia Minor and had started preaching, and that churches had been established like this one in Colossae, which was about 100 miles inland Mm. from the city of Ephesus on the coast. Mm -hmm. Boy, and so he's called, this Epaphras is called a faithful servant of Christ. There's a goal. There's a life goal right there that it could be said of you that you're a faithful servant of Christ. You're going to serve somebody, right? Yes, and that would tell them that they had heard it accurately. Mm. Since he was a faithful servant, then they really had heard the word of truth. Mm-hmm. They had heard the gospel because, heads up, Galatians 1, 6-9, there were also fake and false gospels mm. circulating, right. even in the first century, as there are today. Yeah, And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Hmm. All right. So God's love is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given us Romans 5, 5. Yeah. And it would also be a love defined by the Spirit. First mm. Corinthians chapter 13, four through eight. It's not sentimentality mm. and it's not a mere feeling. Mm-hmm. It is something pretty rugged, mm-hmm. the, the actual love described in the Bible. Mm. And I like the idea it's very hard to listen to the gospel message without being impressed with the fact of how much God loves you mm-hmm. and that we're the recipients of such love that we need to share it with others. And if we're honest, God should be easy to love. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, there's all kinds of qualities in the faithfulness of God. I mean, I have a, I have a collection, Mark. I look for... As I do my Bible study every day, I always highlight the qualities of God in yellow. And wow, yeah, there's a lot to love about God. I'll just say that. So what follows from 9 to 12 was a prayer. And we we found this in Ephesians. There's a couple of these yeah. prayers as well. Here's one of Paul's prayers recorded in Scripture. It starts with, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. That is the, the day that we heard of probably your reception of the gospel uh-huh. and it bearing fruit in you and your love in the spirit and your love for the brethren, etc. From the day that we heard that, mm-hmm. we have been continually praying for you. And then he points out, and here's what we're asking. Yes. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. I can't think of anything that we need more than that. <laughs> and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay. So a couple of things here. Um, the knowledge of his will would be in the word of truth. It would be in the gospel. 
that that's where it would be found. Yeah, and and what's found in it is a solution to every solvable problem through God. I mean, yeah, that's why you want to know the knowledge of as well. So the null and it's understandable. Uh, Ephesians mm-hmm. chapter three verse four. When you read, you can understand. And then it's interesting that he throws the word in all spiritual wisdom, which is the wisdom of knowing when and how as far as application. Okay. Uh, like James chapter 3, verse 15 and following, the right. wisdom from above. And so not only that you would know what the text says, yes. but the wisdom to apply it right. to your life. In your situation, all these unique situations that we encounter. Right, and so we want to encounter those situations not with human wisdom that goes 27 different directions and is has, different with every single self-help yeah, book. Yeah, has or uh, un- dec- unintended consequences. Oh, man. Oh, man. Social experiments going sideways. Um, yeah, this is a heavenly wisdom. This is the wisdom that solves every eternal and earthly problem that we face. Yeah, and James, James would describe that in quite a bit of detail. The, it's first pure, he says. Mm-hmm. There's no unintended consequences or negative side effects of embracing this particular wisdom. So one of the most practical things you could do is open up the scriptures, read them, mm-hmm. make application into your life, put the passages together, mm-hmm. and and live it. And live it. Yeah, so it's not about having wisdom and understanding so that everybody will go, wow, <laughs> you know, or to have personal achievement or whatever ulterior motives one could have. The real reason is in verse 10, right? Yeah, because verse 10 says, so that. Yes. So here would be the result. Well, well, why do I need to have a knowledge of his will? Why do I need to have this wisdom? wisdom? so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And Paul will say that a couple of times, and Paul is certainly not saying that we are worthy of a sacrifice, but live in such a way that you demonstrate that you take his death for you seriously, mm-hmm. worthy of the Lord, uh, where, where you could feel you would feel good about handing your life over to him at the end for inspection that God's going to be pleased with this. Yeah, so he's already mentioned grace. It's never that we are walking so worthy that we think, boy, I didn't even need that grace after all. No. We all are aware, and even Paul was aware of the things that he had done that he'd been forgiven of through the blood of Christ and the grace of God. Um, But this walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, the lives of God's children, they have to reflect the characteristics of their Heavenly Father, right? That's how you kind of know that if you're walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, are you reflecting the characteristics that are in God? Yeah, and God definitely deserves this rather than some sort of mediocre effort. This deserves your best. He gave his best. Yeah. So God is love. God is peace. God is so patient. He's kind. He's good. He's faithful. He's gentle with us. So, yeah, reflecting those qualities. So this really do, this really goes against the cultural idea of you're fine just the way you are. And, mm. and, uh, I'm an this, F mark. Yeah, this, this, is, this is something completely different. This is a striving. Mm-hmm. This is a keep your behavior excellent, as mm-hmm. First Peter chapter 2 would say. This is where you're giving all. You've put on the whole armor of God, and you've done all. Then it says, 
to please him in all respects. All so respects. That's, yeah, not just like, well, I'll, I'll please the Lord 80% of the time or 50% of well, the I'll time. Well, I'll please him in the, in the areas that I kind of enjoy pleasing him anyway because right. I kind of please myself. But there's these other areas that, you know, it's so, yeah, it's not like that. We need to please him in all respects, the challenging ones and the, and the easier ones. Then it says increasing in the knowledge of God. You will develop a deeper appreciation for what's in the Bible, and it will also help you properly interpret the Bible and teach it if you're living it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll kind of say, okay, I can see why God would set it up that way. You, you will see the wisdom behind the way that God set up marriage or he set up the mm-hmm. church or all those sort of things. So he wants these people to avoid a common mistake of where we see this today, where people have memorized a lot of scripture mm. and they're an absolute failure mm-hmm. in living. Yeah, he You know, yeah. they, they talk a good talk. And yet, they're completely inconsistent. He says, no, no, no. I want you guys to actually live mm-hmm. what you believe. Yeah, he wants every corner of our lives, you could say. And to me, I'm encouraged that when it does say that we are to please him in all respects, that he's pleasable. Like some people think like, oh, you can't even please God, so why even try? Apparently not. This verse says that we can please him in all respects, especially when he's there helping us and talk, started out with prayer, we can, through prayer, he can give us uh, what we're lacking in order that we can please him in all respects. Well, and there are so many things that God has given us. Air, the areas of life where God has been very specific about what he desires, first of all, are real important. But secondly, compared to all the other things, he has not micromanaged us. There mm-hmm. is a tremendous yes. amount of our lives I that agree. you have freedom. It's just like, hey, when it's really, really important and where you could blow yourself up in this area, yeah. now I'm going to tell you what to do there. Yeah, and the thing that he tells us to do is very, very good for us in every way. That's why he tells us to do the thing. So in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, I like this increasing, Mark, because that's like every day is an opportunity to know more truth through listening to God again, right? Every day we get that opportunity. Yeah, it's not. Sometimes people get older. Well, the more I read, the less I know. And that's not the path for the Christian. That's not the plan, right? So in verse 11, he says, strengthened with all power. What can you tell us about that? Well, I think that's connected to what has been said before. Mm. So you're plugged into his will. You have bought into his wisdom, Mm -hmm. which is not manipulation and not just cleverness. Mm -hmm. And you're practicing it. And uh, you're bearing fruit and you're involved. And I think if that's true then you are going to be strengthened with all power mm-hmm. according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. I'm not sure if the word joyously is connected to that. It seems like the next word goes more with joyously giving thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little thought on that phrase, strengthened with all power, that our strength is not just in secular education or even some people really lean into cleverness or charm or you know, beauty or earning capacity. No, this kind of power is something much, much more full than that. Um, It's much more powerful than that because this taps into the power that created the universe. So, 
Yes, we have access to that. And that's, you know, one of the many reasons to be faithful to God is that you have access to that power to overcome whatever you need to overcome according to his glorious might. Yeah, keep that verse in mind. Next time you're tempted to say, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. This temptation is too difficult. It's too hard. I'm running out of steam. Mm -hmm. Notice all steadfastness and patience. And so this is a power... This is a power that's available to you that helps you run, you might say, the marathon mm-hmm. of the Christian life. Basically, the Christian is to be the spiritual Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah, temporary faithfulness will not save. I mean, those two words kind of don't go together. Faithfulness by its nature is long term. So I guess he says if, if, you, work this, if you work this plan, mm-hmm. then you can know his will. You're going to be wise. Um, you're going to walk in a manner worthy. You mm-hmm. will place him in all respects. Mm-hmm. You will bear fruit in every good work. You will continually increase in wisdom and the knowledge of God. And you will be an incredibly strong person that the world cannot wear down. You will be steadfast. You will be consistent. You will be patient. Thanks for pulling all of those qualities together for us. Yeah, and then it, joyously. So how happy are his children, right? Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. No wonder we can be joyous. All God's children are called saints and are blessed to live a life illumined by his direction. So joyously giving thanks, I think, is an important concept of gratitude there is that we never forget where Mm -hmm. we came from. We never forget that we heard the word of truth, but we were lost. We were in darkness. And in hearing the word of truth and obeying it, Mm -hmm. we have been qualified now. We've been adopted into God's family. Yeah. And we now have this inheritance along with the other saints. And then it says the term, well, we're now in the light. We're not in the darkness any longer. Uh Uh-huh. What does that mean to you, Mark? In light. So light, thy word is a light to my path. You know, doesn't is it connected to this? Like, I think I know what my next move is because I have read the word of God and I can see more clearly right from wrong. I can, I'm not as discouraged and I kind of, I know how all this ends. So I'm not, it's not like I'm f- trying to force every little thing to work out perfectly because this is the only life that I have, I have more peace about the things that I can't control. Yeah, light would be, well, I think warmth. It's warmth, Mm. it's clarity. Life, you can't have life without light. Yeah, and we were certainly to be the light of the world. God's word is a light to our, our feet, our path. And so I think you're right in the sense that when you're in the light, you can see where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and the decisions that you need to make. You also, I think, have a better perspective to deal with temptation. It's almost like if you're in a big urban area, like people have noticed like mm-hmm. or Times Square or let's say Vegas at night. Mm-hmm. Vegas at night versus Vegas during the day are going to be two different perspectives because during the day, you're going to see things like trash. At night, a lot of darkness kind of covers things. Okay. And so I think in the light, you're better, better able to see the devil's lie or kind of see through it. Mm. You're not as, you're at Times Square, but during the day, it's like, okay, but I see garbage, I see trash, I see, I see everything. And so okay. I have a more accurate perspective. Uh-huh. I am not as, 
I'm not as awed okay. by the glitz. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, Mark Dunnigan. That was a hearty 12 verses of a spiritual hike. Colossians 1, 1 through 12. So we invite our listeners, and there's a lot of you out there, and we're thanking you for walking th- with us through these wonderful, wonderful scriptures with Mark and Cindy Dunnigan. We are nomads, you and I, and we will see you in the next scripture hike. <laughs>